Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Jones Diary. And now, your host, Imran Jones. Climate change often inspires some heated and emotional debates. And in recent weeks, we've had climate change protesters gluing themselves to various things, including roads, car dealership floors, and even famous paintings. So you may have heard a few weeks ago, activists from the activist group Just Stop Oil threw soup over Van Gogh's sunflowers painting. I'm not going to talk about the validity of the climate change argument. I'll leave that to the people who are qualified to do so. But what I will say is, if you're going to make a statement for climate change, don't do it with cans of soup when people are literally starving to death in various parts of the planet. What you could do instead is take all the people that have glued themselves to all these things and go to the rural parts of Africa or even in the UK and plant some trees. Take some before and after photos, put them on social media. I think that would be a much better and more effective use of your time. Imagine the support you'll get if you do something like that. But I don't know. Maybe that's just too much work. Maybe the easiest way to get attention is to glue yourself to the street and disrupt the lives of everyday people instead of doing something that will actually have an impact on climate change. So speaking of climate change, Germany is dismantling a wind farm to make way for a coal mine. Now this article from oilprice.com says a wind farm is being dismantled in western Germany to make way for an expansion of an open pit lignite coal mine in a paradoxical situation highlighting the current prioritization of energy security over clean energy in Europe's biggest economy. The dismantling of at least one wind turbine at the wind farm close to the German coal mine Gazuela, operated by energy giant RWE, has already started. RWE says that lignite, or brown coal, so my whole opinion on the green energy argument is this. If you want to create a green society, a green economy, reliant on only green sources of energy, you need to use more oil, not less. And that might sound crazy, but let me tell you why. So let's talk about the materials you would need to create this renewable energy infrastructure, assuming that you want the whole planet to switch to renewable energy. So you need copper for the cables. That's a mining operation. You need silver for the solar panels. That's a mining operation. Lithium for the batteries. Guess what? Mining operation. Aluminium and steel for the wind turbine structures. Another mining operation. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that many mining companies that have electric mining vehicles. The vast majority of mining vehicles are diesel. And most of these materials, I know for sure, aren't produced in the UK. They are not mined here. So, wouldn't it make more sense in the meantime to improve on the existing technologies that we have? For example, if you look at the Euro 6 diesel emission standard, Comparing that to diesel engines of the 1980s, I'm sure you would agree that it's a marked improvement from where we came from. 
And I've traveled quite a lot. I mean, as I've said before, I've served in the armed forces. And when I say travel, I don't mean Malaga and Paris. I'm from the Caribbean. I've served in the British Armed Forces. I have family in Kenya. I spent six months working in Colombia and the Middle East. So in Colombia, for example, the vast majority of people get around on little mopeds, 125 cc's and below. That's how they get to work. That's how they feed their families. It's a similar situation in Kenya and other parts of Africa, although to a lesser extent. So imagine going to those people and saying to them, oh, sorry, but you're going to have to stop using oil. If that happens, there are people in those countries who would literally starve to death because they can't earn a living. So who are the Just Stop Oil protesters willing to sacrifice to say they live in a green country? If you have net zero emissions in Britain, and the rest of the world pumps out more carbon to manufacture our stuff, then how does that solve anything? Oh yeah, it's easy to say that your country has zero emissions, and you're not emitting anything, and your air is all clean and dandy, but are you willing to sacrifice people in other parts of the world so you could have your green energy? So this article from Al Jazeera, again, links in the description below, as always, um, says here that U.S. lawmakers withdraw a letter calling for Ukraine war diplomacy. So the article says left-wing U.S. lawmakers have withdrawn a letter that called on President Joe Biden to engage in vigorous diplomacy to end the war between Russia and Ukraine after facing a firestorm of criticism and accusations of appeasing Moscow. And in the letter, it reads that every war ends with diplomacy, and this one will too after Ukrainian victory. So later on down in the article, it says this. The letter sent yesterday, although restating that basic principle, has been conflated with GOP opposition to support for the Ukrainians' just defense of their national sovereignty. And as such, it is a distraction at this time, and we withdraw the letter. So... Obviously, I have questions. So what would be the reason for withdrawing a letter that is calling for a diplomatic end to the conflict between Russia and Ukraine? So do these people actually want World War III? So this is what I was saying in one of my previous episodes. I feel like this is going to be one of those wars that ends up like Iraq, like Afghanistan, like Syria, like Libya, that goes on for years and years and years and years. Because the simple fact of it is, conflicts like this are very financially lucrative for certain companies involved in the defense industry. And it would be interesting to see how many politicians and people in power who have shares in said companies. That should be an interesting thing to investigate. So let's say this conflict does lead to nuclear war, and the most recent posturing suggests that that's where it's going, right? Who do you think is going to come out on top? Ukraine or Russia? So apparently, the White House's position is letting the Ukrainians negotiate for themselves. But let's help them with as many weapons as they want. But when you hear in the news that the US has supplied arms to Ukraine, they're not giving them for free, folks. Somebody has to manufacture these weapons, and these weapons have to be paid for. 
So I ask you this, where does that money go and who pays for it? So there's a Yahoo article here entitled, Air B and Bust, some hosts are noticing serious decline in bookings on the Airbnb app. So the article reads that Airbnb has been featured in travel news again, but this time the spotlight is on hosts who have complained of a decline in bookings. Recent news has shown that even super hosts have noted a worrying decline in bookings. Hosts sharing their lack of business has sparked conversation about short-term, long-term, and the future of holiday rentals altogether. In an interview, one host even shares how severe the decline is, saying that we went from 80% occupancy to zero. But we as human beings are funny because if something starts making money, there's a whole lot of other people willing to jump on board telling you how to do it and how you can get rich doing it with little or no money. So taking Airbnb, for example, let's say you Google how to make money with Airbnb. The majority of the time, the information you would find is not even from someone who actually ran an Airbnb business. So it's highly likely going to be someone who said, oh, wait, this thing makes money. So I'll jump on board. I'll jump on the bandwagon, Google a few things, publish a few videos and publish some course that they can tell you. And they are sitting pretty because they have no property portfolio to manage. They have no risk. They just sell you their course and they are good to go. But you can't pin anything on these people because they always have their little disclaimers, right? Saying, you know, they can't be held responsible for any loss of capital and so on and so on. But remember when Airbnb used to be like the budget option, you know, when you couldn't afford a hotel and, you know, you look on the Airbnb website and you see something like, $20 a night as opposed to like 100 for a hotel. But now, Airbnbs are simply just not competitive anymore. In some cases, they're even more expensive than the hotels. So imagine you buy a second property as an Airbnb, and then you figure out, well, this Airbnb thing is not what I thought it would be. What's the first thing you would do? Of course, sell the property. And imagine if a large amount of Airbnb owners decide to do the same thing. Then what does that do? That puts more properties on the market. Then they can't sell for the price they want. And then prices have to come down. And this is in addition to rising mortgage rates. And some people, unfortunately, not being able to stay in their homes because they simply can't afford the mortgage payments anymore. <music> So that's it for today's show, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you very much for joining me. So I will be back next week with another episode. So until the next episode, take care.